Welcome back to another episode of My Neighbors Are Dead. I'm your host, Adam Peacock, and we're all familiar with the big names in horror, Freddy, Jason, the Mountain Lions of Pennsylvania, but who we're not familiar with are the ones just outside the terror, the ones who didn't get to tell their tales, and helping me do that this week, Caitlin Durante. Caitlin, how are you? Oh my goodness, I'm I'm alive. It's, I mean, it's, yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> so, uh, so in that case, I'm great. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm managing. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here and I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you here. Uh, I was happy. I felt bad. I was talking about Dave Matthews band with you for probably a little too long before we started doing this, but uh, we won't talk about Dave Matthews Band. We're going to talk about uh, a horror movie that you have picked. It is the 2000 classic American Psycho. Caitlin, why American Psycho? Well, well, first of all, we should have, rather than talking about Dave Matthews, we should have been talking about Huey Lewis in the news. We should have been talking about (laughs) Phil Collins. We should have been talking about Whitney Houston. Um, I legitimately love Phil Collins, Caitlin. It was... (laughs) Phil Collins, but seriously, was the first album I bought with my own money. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Love him. He's great. Well, then you and Patrick Bateman have something in common. <laughs> I know. Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah. But um, why why American Psycho? It's a movie that I enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. I say this tentatively because this is a movie that... Um, I mean, it's weird to be like, yeah, I really like a movie about like a serial killer who yeah. um, targets mostly, you know, women and sex workers and uh, people living in poverty, you know, just like mm-hmm. <laughs> everything yeah. I'm against in the world. Of course. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, but I don't know. I just, I like the way that the movie is frames the character in a very like satirical way. Mm-hmm. And it's like this whole indictment of like, 80s uh consumerism and capitalism and materialism um which has you know bled into later decades and just the whole um satirical framing of it uh i think it's a like it's a funny movie it's a it's i read the book as well it's a funny book it's uh (laughs) i don't know how i feel about thinking these things but um i don't know i just i think it's an effective satire um and just a pretty decent movie all around. I was talking to a buddy last night actually and I feel like this movie and the movie Boiler Room, I don't know if you remember Boiler Room. Mm, I haven't seen it. Giovanni Ricci like stock and it, I it, watch it it's great, okay. but I feel like that movie and American Psycho were two films that I, I I don't want to generalize, I'll just speak for what I know. Guys who look like me took the wrong message from. <laughs> Um, so why do you think that is? Well, anytime there's satire, because satire is not explicit, it's usually pretty implicit. So you have to Mm -hmm. really kind of be paying attention and, uh, like, and sometimes satire is not super effective because it's not very clear. I would say, see the movie Starship Troopers, um, yeah. <laughs> where it it's great. like, I guess that's a satire, but question mark, is it? Because, like, how much is being done to communicate clearly that it is a satire? So yeah. there, you always run that risk with, um, w- with satire of just, like, not make it's maybe not super clear that it's mm-hmm. uh that that's what's the like the intention of the movie because on the other hand because i've like 
I've gone on, I went on a date with a man whose favorite character in like fiction and film was Patrick Bateman. Like unironically, he was like, no, he's just so cool. And he's like so handsome. And I really like his like, he's got, he wears great clothes and he's just like, and I'm just like, what? And so I obviously like ran away immediately. Um, I was going to say, did it work out with this gentleman? Because <laughs> well, if it did, I don't want to, I don't want to besmirch him. Well, we're did. divorced, but we, we did get married great. for a while. So. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was, I it love was that that's, that's what he liked. Cause there's so many characters in all of movies who are those three things. They're cool. They're, they're good looking and they dress well. Mm-hmm. And, and that is how like Hollywood frames so many like male heroes, so many, you know, women as who are less likely to be the protagonist of a movie but like we are obsessed as a as a culture with like attractive cool people and that's who we want to see stories about or at least that's who like hollywood assumes the general public wants to see stories about so we're just like fed this narrative of like oh if you're cool and good looking and like like well educated and you speak well then everyone's going to gobble up every word you say and everything you do um and unfortunately that's true for a lot of people hence people taking the wrong message uh from the movie but um i don't know that there's just a lot of unlearning a lot of people have to do i so was there anything growing up that you watch now with a different lens that are that maybe I don't want to say you missed the point, but maybe didn't quite understand what was happening, and you kind of took it at face value. Like for me, it's Looney Tunes. Wait, sorry, it's it's what for you? It's like it's Looney Tunes, oh, it's the sure. old Looney Tunes cartoons. Where you're watching that now as an adult, like wow, a lot of this seems super racist. Yeah, um, basically everything I've ever seen. <laughs> Because, like, I, mean, I guess that was a dumb question. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to sound insightful, but I'm just an asshole. Well, no, no, no. It's it's more that like I, I, I'm my job makes me very hyper tuned into this very specific topic. Um, because not to brag or anything, but I have a, a movie podcast of my own. Yes, please tell people. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's called the Bechtel Cast, which is named after the Bechtel test, um, which basically is just a media metric that uh, tries to determine, are there women in a movie? <laughs> if so, do they interact at all? And if so, do they talk and what about- are the, what are the uh, parameters, not parameters, but uh, the, the correct, it's like, are, are there women in the movie? Do they spend X amount of time talking that isn't re- regarding the, a man? Yeah, there's different um, kind of variations of it. The kind of the most familiar and basic one is, um, do two women, um, and sometimes there's the caveat uh, that they have to be named characters whose like names we know, um, mm-hmm. do they speak to each other about something other than a man? Um, if so, that passes the Bechdel test. Um, but a, mo- a lot of movies do not pass this very simple metric, um, which is yeah very low bar and really only a place to start in terms of like examining representation of women in movies. But um, so many movies don't pass because there will only be one female character of any kind of significance to the narrative uh, that if there are two women, they probably don't interact. And even if they do interact, it's likely that they will be talking about like a male love interest or like the male hero. So it's just like a very simple metric to see like, Hey, are women important to this story at all? Right. Right. 
Um, so that's what is like kind of the thing that we use as a basis for my podcast, but we take it like a million steps further and just examine, um, movies from just a a feminist lens, examining things like kind of across the spectrum, across, uh, intersectionality and, um, figure out how well or poorly movies fare when looking at them through that lens. And it turns out uh, every movie ever made is horrible. (laughs) No, no, no. There's got to be one, right? (laughs) There are a few that like that hold up from like um, that came out before like two years ago. But uh, a lot of them. Yeah. And, And that doesn't mean like you can't. We always like say this on my podcast. We're like, you can love whatever media you love. We just encourage people to. Um, to consume media critically and be critical thinkers. Oh, this is going to ruin Dirty Dancing for me. <laughs> <laughs> that one pretty holds up decently-ish well It's been forever since I've seen it. I just, I just heard the Patrick Swayze song the other day, Walking Down the Street, Ooh. The uh, uh, You're Like the Wind. Is that what it is? Uh, probably. <laughs> it's on the soundtrack. Yeah. Great soundtrack. Oh, Listen to such it. a good one. Uh, so where, I mean, just for fun, where does American Psycho fall on the, on the, on the test? <laughs> um, I don't think we did cover it on the podcast on our, on a Patreon episode. We, I don't think it passes, um, the, cause yeah, women, or if they do, I honestly don't remember and the fact that i don't remember means that it's like probably not a good sign that like not a ringing endorsement yeah (laughs) right yeah uh what i i never read the book so Mm -hmm. do you have a preference between the book or the movie i feel i feel silly having never read it but i mean i think that they each have their own merits although i'm like hesitant to say i like anything by brett easton ellis because of his you've Listeners can go and read up about all his problematic stuff, but sure. um, <laughs> but so I think I like I've definitely had way more exposure to the movie. The book is is still like it's way more graphic. The it goes mm-hmm. far more into the graphic violence um, than the movie does, which I think has a lot to do with the movie being directed and written by women. Um, whereas I think if a if not to make. <laughs> Not to make sweeping generalizations here, but because Please, so many, we're all about it here, <laughs> so many men have like <clears throat> poorly interpreted or misinterpreted um, different like books uh, while making an adaptation of that book. I feel like a man would like lean into the violence and like sexual violence uh, that a lot of the characters fall victim to in in this story and be like and just sort of like glorify all of that violence and and make it like a huge gore fest when there is a little bit of that in this movie but it really shows a lot of restraint um and because it's uh i think more interested in like indicting uh patrick bateman types than showcasing like like (laughs) women getting like raped (laughs) and having like their guts torn out and stuff like that uh not we don't have to go into a deep (laughs) dive but i did you read there was a new york times article about the canyons 
Do you, do you mm. remember that movie? It no. Was, uh, it was Lindsay Lohan and uh, the the adult film star James Dean in like his his breakthrough role, his mm. breakthrough mainstream Hollywood role, and it was written by Brett Easton Ellis. And it, if you get a chance, I mean, if you if you for Schadenfreude's sake, mm. if you want to watch just something completely fall apart or like watch people go through a living hell, read that article. It's fun. Okay. Apparently, that movie was a complete uh, complete shit show to get huh. together and get made. All right, I'll check it out. Uh, so this film, well, I don't know if you've seen this. I have not seen it. The 2002 sequel to this, American Psycho 2, All-American Girl, starring, <laughs> starring Mila Kunis. Um, it's a feminist masterpiece. No. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've not seen it. Um, I, I have not felt compelled to see the movie. <laughs> when I was looking it up, I, I was going through the notes, and the director is Morgan Freeman. And for a hot second, oh. I, I was like, get the fuck out of here. And then it's Morgan J. Freeman. So oh. it's not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. Um, yeah, I, I haven't seen the sequel. What is it called? All-American Girl? All-American Girl. I, I guess mm, I do find it interesting, but I feel like it's one of those sequels that um, just kind of like <sighs> takes a property and just sort of misses the point and they're like well what if serial killer but gender swapped and and like i mean i can't i haven't seen it so i cannot pass any sort of judgment on it but um i feel like that, I that's my hypothesis of what it, it is you and i have probably been around movies long enough to know and well i don't know sweeping generalizations caitlin do you think hollywood knows what it's doing <laughs> Usually not. Okay, I just Usually you know. Not. <laughs> I, I mean, for me, I mean, I who am I? Because I'm all, I'm the I'm the personification of that Gervais bit of what have you done on the telly lately? Nothing, so don't. So <laughs> I have no room to talk at all. Uh, yeah, I I've never read the book. I when was the first time you saw this movie? Do you remember the first time you saw American Psycho? Yeah, a friend of mine who was like really into um horror movies introduced it to me in and I and again this isn't like necessarily like straight horror um mm -hmm. but uh she introduced it to me my freshman year of college so I was like it was 2004. Um, to very specifically date and age myself, but um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was probably starting my freshman year, but I think I'm I'm four years older than you because I'm stupid, so yeah. I didn't do the things I was supposed to do when I was supposed to do them. Um, but yeah, so I saw it a few years after it came out because this is a 2000 release, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, 2000. Yeah. So and and she so she introduced it to me and I was like oh this is this is interesting this this is uh, this is worth a rewatch so I I just kind of kept rewatching it maybe like once a year for a few years and um, yeah it's uh it it's it's a head scratcher <laughs> did you and this I'm asking this mostly just to make myself feel better. I worked at Blockbuster. Did you waste as much time as I did, Caitlin, discussing whether or not the events of this movie really happened with your Blockbuster video pals? <laughs> I I have. Uh, I I've okay, okay, had good, many good, a discussion good. about this. Um, 
I did a project on this movie slash book in um like a banned books class that I took in college. Whoa. Um, and yeah, so like we had to read the book and then we had to do it like we had to do like this group presentation on it. So um my my classmates and I kind of do- took a different um just like theoretical lens and applied it to the the narrative and because i was a film major Mm -hmm. (laughs) brag uh Uh, I was like, well, I'll tackle like the movie adaptation of it. So, and I like gave this whole, like, I don't know, spectacle. No, uh, but I gave a presentation. Was it performative? Did you have to perform <laughs> no, no, part no. of the movie? Oh, that... I had to, I killed a member of my class. That would have been great. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I. Why is she putting on that clear plastic jacket? <laughs> what? Is that a raincoat? Yes, it is. Um, I so I sort of uh, gave because I don't remember if the the book is more or less open to interpretation or like about the same as the movie in terms of like did the events of this movie actually happen or are they all in his head? My theory is that um, they he he is a murderer. He did kill a lot of people, but he will. Um, he won't get caught for it, not only because he's like a privileged, rich, uh, cishet white man, um, because it's like in this sort of microcosm that he exists within, um, he, uh, everyone is always mistaking everyone for everyone else. So like, no one really knows who Paul Allen is. Everyone always mistakes Patrick Bate, like him for someone else. Everyone thinks he's like Marcus Halberstram or whoever. So Mm -hmm. because everyone's always mistaking everyone for everyone else, it's hard to account for who has actually like gone missing and who has died and like who. So I think he is like, he has killed all these people. Um, but no one will ever really notice because everyone's just a carbon copy of everyone else. And it's just too hard to keep track of ev- all of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's my brilliant theory <laughs> that I posited during this presentation. And also right now, just now I took, uh, I, my, degrees also in film and i took a bunch of film classes i never even got close to sounding that eloquent about any of my presentations at all so i will no longer further embarrass myself by trying like that was great it was great uh so i yeah it's a really really good uh it's a good i don't even theory thesis It's, it's a it's everything it's all of that it's it's really good uh I think before I let you go, because unfortunately I would love to keep talking to you about this, mm. but we do have a guest here that we have to get to. I understand. Um, where do you fall in Phil Collins? Yay? Nay? Honestly, I am not familiar enough with his body of work to okay. make a fair judgment. I think I'm, what little I do know of him, he he was the one who did some songs for the the Tarzan soundtrack. Is that he sure right? did. Yeah, he did. He did the Tarzan soundtrack. Yeah, he sure um, did. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. I feel yeah. like I that is his work that I know the best, which is weird because I've only seen Tarzan like twice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I, I, uh, I think I'm ambivalent. Um, I just, I, I'd have to really more closely examine his, his work. Well, if you ever sit down with his catalog, 
either Genesis, post-Genesis, mm-hmm. please come back and talk about it. I'd love it. Oh, I'd love to. I will say that I really enjoy Huey Lewis and the News. They're great. And uh, their work on the Back to the Future soundtrack. I mean, well, now now I want to know, is there a movie more synonymous with the, with the musician or band than Back to the Future and Huey Lewis and the News? I think not. Maybe the jaw. Maybe John Williams and the Jaws theme. <laughs> yeah, but that's like a that's a. I, I would differentiate that because he's like a composer, like doing a score yeah. versus like uh, a a musician doing like a soundtrack song. So, well, I I really hope you get a chance to to unless you hate Phil Collins, and if you hate him, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure uh, I'll like him just fine. Caitlin, thank you so much for coming by. We do have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to a video store clerk that I will have a lot in common with, Cheryl Bobbins. Caitlin, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Hey, neighbors, Adam here. Have you been enjoying My Neighbors Are Dead? Well, there are two quick and easy ways you can show your support that only take a second. First, leave us a rating and review in your podcast player of choice. That can be anything from talking about a recent episode to suggesting a film for a future guest, and two, Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss future episodes. It helps you, it helps us, and it helps new folks find the podcast. Thanks, and now back to the show. Uh, Welcome back. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me. I I appreciate you taking some time out to come by and chat with me for a little bit. Oh, yeah, thanks. I'm happy to be here. I am talking to a an employee uh, of Mike's video, Cheryl Bobbins. How are you, Cheryl? Hi. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, yeah, I work at Mike's. Um, it's you know this pretty new video rental store. Did, like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Do you have you heard about these like VHS tapes? It's like a movie, but it's like you can in the, in the you like put it into a VCR, mm-hmm. and then you can like watch the movie on on the on the TV. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, much like yourself, Cheryl, I, I worked at a video store and I think the most appealing thing about these VHS tapes was that people were able to take these movies home and watch them in the comfort of their own home. So I think they're great. Yeah. And I, I love, I love movies. I get to like take home whatever movies I want. My boss, Mike, he just like lets me, he's like, you get two movies a night and I, oh, you better believe well, that I'm as an employee, taking you get advantage two movies of that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I think when I worked there, we only got like three rentals a week. I love that you get two a night. Oh, wait, where? what's your video store? I worked at a place called Blockbuster Video and then also at a mom and pop store called Real Video. Okay. Wow. All right. Blockbuster. I feel like I've heard of that, um, but it's 1987 for, for me right now. So I yeah. don't know if it, that I, maybe it's that's like on the up and up or something. Cheryl, I'm going to tell you for a while, it's going to be huge and then it's just going to go away. But if you can get in on the ground floor, it's going to be a wild ride. Okay, cool. All right. I'll check it out. So what attracted you to a video store? Because I knew when I was a kid, it was sort of like a dream job to work there. Is that something that you felt when you were younger before you worked at Mike's or is it just kind of a job you happened into? Well, I mean, I, so I recently graduated from college. Um, I went to to NYU. Um, I was an English major because yeah, I'm not really sure. Like I had, I couldn't get in the, the film program. It just, I'm, I just, it was, I couldn't do it, but, um, I, 
Uh, I really love movies and I love watching movies and I love making movies and I want to be a filmmaker. So I'm trying to, I just was like, okay, what job can I work at while I, you know, save up money to make my first film um, that like will put me, just immerse me in, in, in movies, you know? So I heard about this video rental store that, that was uh, opening up um on the on the lower east side mm-hmm. and i just was like you know what that sounds that's perfect and then and then because i get these movie rent i get to take home movies and 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 i can just watch movies all the time mm-hmm. and it's gonna you know just help me become a better filmmaker so yeah that's really that's really what drew me to it cheryl i don't want to overstep but you had mentioned that you have a film that you're that you're eager to make would you mm-hmm. would you be would you mind sharing a little bit about that with us here today? Is there a title of the movie? What's it about? Or or what oh, can we expect? Gosh. Well, um, I have a few ideas floating around. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I'm really uh my favorite movie that came out a couple of years ago is Back to the Future. And I just I love time travel. So um I want to make like a time travel rom com. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know like what the story is beyond that just yet, but um, I'm trying to like write out a treatment and just like try to figure out exactly what the movie is going to be about. Um, yeah. and then oh, my other this other movie that I really liked, I thought was really cool that came out um a f- like three years ago or so was um the Terminator. Did you see that? I it's, love the Terminator. It's so oh, I just it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope there's a sequel soon. Um, but yeah, the Terminator is really cool. So I think I'd like to. Do, I like sci-fi a lot. So I think I'd like to, um, uh, just like make some kind of like, ki- like killer robot sci-fi action movie. I don't know. I just I like to. I'm just I'm inspired by these these great movies that are coming out. Uh, Cheryl, I, I I don't even know if I should say this because I feel like maybe I'm screwing up some sort of space time continuum here. But like much like Blockbuster, there is a sequel coming to Terminator, <gasps> and it's going to be even better than the first one. Oh my gosh! But don't tell anybody I told you that because who knows? We might have like uh, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, I I've I've like I said, I've seen Back to the Future. I know that the space time continuum could unravel. Yeah. At any moment. So yeah, I'll I'll keep this information to my myself, but I'm so excited. Yeah, I don't want to have I don't want to like tell you something and then because of what I just did, we don't get penicillin. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. The butterfly effect. I wonder if that's ever gonna be a movie. Buckle up. What? I don't want to ruin anything. I don't want to ruin anything, but there might be a movie called The Butterfly Effect oh, starring a super hunk in a couple of years. Okay. Uh, so you're, you're in New York, you're Mm -hmm. in, you're the city that never sleeps. You're working at Mike's video. Talk to me a little bit about what your clientele is like, because we had a certain client, not a, we had a clientele at Blockbuster that, you know, you get to know these people. So what is your clientele like at Mike's video? Sure. Well, we have, it's, it's, it's hugely diverse. It ranges Mm -hmm. from, I mean, families come in, there's a, we have a nice little family section. Um, People are coming in, they're renting the Goonies. They're renting the Great Mouse Detective. Um, You know, they're, they're renting all Milo and Otis. Um, 
And then we have other people coming in, you know, who are into to, into horror movies, into sci-fi mm-hmm. movies, into comedies. Um, we do have an adult section too, so you know, you get some shadier people coming in. Sure. Um, but it's it's really just a, a a vast array of just anyone who enjoys movies. Well, that's the you know the the albatross of the mom and pop video store is that you have to resort to I don't know an erotica section to compete with these big with these big name stores. Yeah, and um, you know I don't want to shame anyone for what they're into. So you know, to each their own. I just, I just would rather, um, yeah, they can just they can just do anything they want, and I'll I'll ring them up like I'd ring up anybody else renting a movie. And that's the great thing about working in a video store, Cheryl, is that there are no there's no judgment. At all, like I think there's there's a certain magic about working in a video store because there's so many stories on the shelves, and you're getting so many stories of the people who come in to rent those movies. Mm-hmm. Exactly. One client I'm curious to to kind of pick your brain about is um, New York. I don't what do I want to say? How to the powerhouse success story? One Patrick Bateman. You were telling me a little bit about a Patrick Bateman who comes in and rents from Mike's video. What's your mm-hmm. What's your story with Patrick? Okay, so Patrick is, he's one of my favorite customers. He comes in all the time. Mm -hmm. He always, every time he's about to rent a videotape, he, like, goes on this tirade about, like, how great this movie is. Um, And he he just, like, just wants to talk about all the merits of the movie. And he, and I've, I've, like, learned a lot from him. He seems to be really knowledgeable mm-hmm. about media, not just in movies, music, you know, he he seems to just he's so smart and he's really he's really handsome. Um but I think he has a girlfriend. Um but um yeah, he just like some of his movie choices are a little like again, not to judge or anything, but they're just like sure. not what I would. Like, he like he always rents Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh yeah. He like and it's just like why don't you why don't you just buy it Patrick? But he like comes in he rents it like once a week. Um there is something kind of weird about it where like one time I noticed that there seemed to be like like little flecks of what looked like blood on the mm-hmm. on the case that he returned. Um I don't know. I don't know what what that's about. Well, you're. Li- I mean, you know, you're you're in New York in 1987. I can imagine that you must see all kinds of shocking things being either returned or dropped off at your at mm. your doorstep or people who maybe you know frequent your store. So I I, I can't imagine what that's like. Oh, you ju- you have no idea how many people put the wrong VHS tape in the wrong case. People are mixing. No one rewinds. Mm-hmm. Hello. How hard is it to rewind? That's what VCRs are for. Yeah, it's and then some people they they put someone tried to put a deck of cards and they they clearly just they yeah. they kept the VHS tape for themselves and they just put something in the in the in the case to trick me into thinking they were returning the tape and I I didn't fall for that for a second. Um Patrick Bateman's never done anything like that. He's he always 
returns the videotape on time. Some mm-hmm. people, oh, people with their, they, they're supposed to return it on Monday and they don't return it until Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. People are late. It's so frustrating, but Patrick is so good. It seems like he will just drop everything he's doing to come and return the tape on time. And I really admire that. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a, there's an agreement. There's a, a silent agreement between, you know, proprietor and customer that when you rent a movie, you're going to bring it back on time and you're going to rewind that thing. Like you said, Cheryl, it's the easiest thing to do. There's a button on the device that allows you to rewind it. I know. It's, it's, it's incredibly annoying. I I don't like that. They don't live up to their end of the bargain. Mm -mm. So you, you'd mentioned that Patrick would come in and I'm just so curious about him that some things he would rent were red flags would raise up some red flags. You'd mentioned the Texas chainsaw massacre. Mm -hmm. Was there one that he started with that you kind of like, Oh, this is strange. This isn't like Milo and Otis. This is, you know, like you said, Texas Chainsaw. So was there something prior to that that sort of sent up that red flag? Well, he he also loves Muppets Take Manhattan, which is, I I, I don't know. He He's like in his 20s. I mean, yeah. I guess, yeah, I like that movie too, but it's just, it's it's weird that this like, you know, this like cool, sexy Wall Street guy is so into Muppets Take Manhattan. I Whatever, Patrick, to each their own, you know? Sure. Um, there's, yeah, he tends to, well, now that I'm thinking about it, hmm, he does really get a lot of, like, Halloween, he... Oh, yeah. He rents quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. He seems to really like any movie that... Um, where like people are being stabbed a lot, but again, like, but Muppet take, Muppets take Manhattan. I just, I don't know about that one. See, I like that you're saying this because you know Patrick comes in and he rents a lot of horror movies, and I think people who rent a lot of horror movies or consume a lot of what could be considered spooky media kind of get a bad name about them. So, I think what's nice is that I'm talking to another, you know, uh, uh, in the in the a family of video store clerks that that's not always the case. I mean, it might be in this case, but Mm. it's not always the case. Sure. Well, I don't know anything about Patrick's home life. I don't know what he does behind closed doors. Um, You know, aside from that, like fleck of blood incident, I didn't, I didn't really think anything of it, but I did, I did, it did seem a little weird, but um, I I imagine he's just like a normal guy. You know, he's, he works on, wall street he um he seems to go out to lots of like fancy dinners and fancy clubs and like yeah. i i don't know i i wish i i wish i could do that like that sounds fun but oh gosh i'm i'm broke i have a lot of i you know it's so expensive living in new york i don't know how uh, I, I just th- one of the, I, you know what i admire about you cheryl is that not only are you you're so dedicated to your craft of of videos and and movies themselves mm-hmm. you take uh what some might consider to be uh, an exaggerated interest in your clientele's personal life once they're outside of the store and i like that because it just makes you a better video store clerk thank you my boss sometimes is like caitlin stop or sorry uh cheryl <laughs> Sure. Oh, who's Caitlin? Cheryl, I don't know who Caitlin stop. is. I was talking about. I had a friend Caitlin earlier who came by. We were talking a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I might have mentioned Cheryl, her. Cheryl, stop 
stop prying into these people's lives. But, and normally I like don't really do that. But with Patrick, again, he just, he always stays and talks to me so long. Sometimes I'm almost like, does he have a crush on me? He seems to be looking at me like with almost like hungrily sometimes. I don't know. It just makes me buzz with excitement. But you know, he just, he shares so many of his opinions and, and, um, you know, it just, it feels like we have like a friendship almost. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I'm just, I, I am, I am curious about what, what he's doing, what he's got going on in his personal life, but uh, I just, I well, hope he's doing well. Well, again, you know, you're highlighting another, another great, often, often forgotten, never really spoken about you know, like much like with the horror movies, casting dispersions on people because of their video rental choices. But mm-hmm. there is an underbelly of romance in the video store clerk world that I don't think a lot of people know exists. Oh my gosh. I know you can relate, but huh. yeah, I mean, th- I've had colleagues of mine who get got married to to a regular customer. I've Absolutely. had colleagues of mine get married to each other. There's Absolutely. just it's a it's a cesspool, I'll tell you. It's I mean it's 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 like a Motley Crue concert. That's what I keep <laughs> telling people, but nobody really understands what I'm talking about, but it is. Oh, it's like a Motley Crue show. It's true. It's true. I haven't been lucky enough to find to find love in this capacity in working in working in the video rental store but uh i'm hopeful and maybe one day patrick's gonna break up with his girlfriend and give me a little give me a call i got a good feeling about you you know what and i don't want you to get that i don't want that to get in your head and get you down because you're just starting out you're just starting out in the video store clerk world and Mm -hmm. in the motion picture you know in the world itself so you're doing fine thank you uh, what is the status of your film right now? Do you, is there, is there a working script? Do we have, do we have financing for this thing? Where are we at with your time travel romance movie? Oh gosh. Well, um, that one in particular is, is still in the very early development stages. I'm still trying to like outline that thing. Sure. Um, but I do have, um, financial backing, for a a movie that um I'm really good friends with S- Stephen King and <laughs> this guy yeah 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 um <laughs> the author Stephen King yeah and and he and he has commissioned me to write the script for um he wants me to adapt the his um novella about the Shawshank prison. Oh, um, I think you should. So yeah, yeah. That then that has like backing and financial backing. I think that's gonna get me. I, I it's still, you know, it's it's gonna be a few years, but um before yeah. I think it like gets off the ground or anything like that. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I um I have a I have a pretty good script that I'm really proud of. Well again, I know I have the the benefit of of future sight, but if I could make a recommendation and I don't like telling people what to do, but you might want to get on that sooner rather than later. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thanks for the tip. I'd, I'd hate to, to, you know, get hired and then fired and have someone else rewrite my script or just write it and then not even get credit for it. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't want that at all. No. Well, Cheryl, I, it's been so nice talking to you. It's been so nice talking to oh, another person pleasure. who can, 
understand the the ins and outs of the video store clerk business and i i wish you nothing but but the best with your films and and with with patrick and and with with just everything you're you're, you're just a delight thank you so much i've had such a great time being here and I, just one more thing, if if you like VHS, Cheryl, hang on in a few more years because something called DVDs are going to be coming out and I think they're going to blow your mind. Oh, whoa. Okay, I'll keep my eye out for those. Just hang on. Cheryl Bobbins, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to My Neighbors Are Dead. I've been your host, Adam Peacock. The show is produced by myself with Nate DeFort and edited by Nate DeFort. Original music was done by Jesse Case, along with Dane Halverson, and our original artwork was done by Mark Nishan. I would like to thank Caitlin Durante for coming by and talking of Phil Collins and, and VHS movies and introducing us to Cheryl Bobbins. You can catch Caitlin as the host of the Bechdel podcast, and also she does a weekly Instagram show called Movie Talk with Caitlin, so please check that out. If you like the show and you want to support us, please like and subscribe. And if you'd like to donate to the show, you can find us on patreon.com at my neighbors are dead. Follow us on Instagram at my neighbors are dead and on Twitter at my dead neighbors. Again, thank you so much for listening to the show and we'll see you next week. Oh, hello, you. What's up, hoes? I'm Mary Kay McBrayer. I'm Mary Amelia Byer. I'm Rachel Estridge. And we like scary movies. Let's be more specific. We like analyzing scary movies. Okay, but let's be a little bit more specific. We like making fun of scary movies. Let's be even more specific. We have to make fun of scary movies so that we can sleep at night. We host a horror comedy podcast called Everything Trying to Kill You that rips all your fave horror movies a new one. And bonus, we'll tell you jokes from the perspectives of... Feminist ethnic minorities. And queer women. Which might be something you haven't considered before. Sure looks like Hollywood hasn't. So check out Everything Trying to Kill You. New episodes every other Friday on Campfire Media. Campfire. <laughs>